0: Good evening, this is attorney Vince Davis, and we are on the radio tonight talking about divorce and family law. The effects of divorce, especially when the divorce involves children, last far longer than the divorce process itself. The consequences of marital dissolution can affect all members of the family and can last a lifetime. If you've got questions, we've got answers. We are family law legal experts, and we can answer your questions about divorce, kids, money, property, custody, and spousal support, and including the Division of Assets and Debts. I'm on tonight with Attorney Raj Matani. Raj is an associate who works with me doing family law and divorce cases. Good evening, Raj. I don't know if Raj is there or if he can hear me, but our um show tonight is going to be focusing on a few areas that um are of you know of a note to our uh audience. The first thing that we're gonna to try to focus on tonight is um Fee structures uh, for hiring attorneys in family law matters. The second one that, that we're going to be talking about is filing in pro per and perhaps using uh, mediators instead of attorneys in family law matters. And then the last thing that we'll talk about are quadros. I'm going to take my first call this evening. Before I do that, let me find out if Attorney Raj Matani is on the phone with us. Raj, are you there?
1: Hi, Vince. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, great. Sorry. A little bit of technical difficulties here on my end. Uh, Hello to all of our listeners joining us again. Uh, This is Raj Matani on the radio. Um, i'm as Vince said, I'm an associate uh, in his office. I've been practicing family law since 2013. I was previously a solo attorney, uh, working mostly out of the Orange County area, but now most of my cases revolve in pretty much every part of Southern California and um, the Inland Empire. So it's great to be back here, Vince, and um, if you want, I can reset the table about the topics we're going to talk about tonight.
0: Go ahead, reset it.
1: So uh, yeah, there there's four big areas that we want to focus on tonight. Um, Vince normally does an introduction about fee structures, but we've gotten a lot of calls this week about people looking for alternative ways in which they can secure representation. So we want to you know, explain these areas a lot more to our listeners and go into a little bit more detail about how people can go about finding an attorney and um, dealing with the costs that are associated with it. The second topic we want to talk about tonight are uh, what's called filing pro per or pro se. This is a a method in which uh, the client or the, the one of the parents, mother or father, is essentially telling the court that they're representing themselves. Um, and there are some pros and cons to this, some things to be aware of, and uh, we want to let all all parties interested uh, know what how to avoid some of the pitfalls of filing. Uh, self-represented. The third topic we want to get into right tonight is using uh, family law attorneys as mediators. This is a uh, one of the new and emerging areas in which parties can help control the cost of the divorce process, and uh, it's a great way if two parties are, are somewhat amicable to go about the dissolution process. And then the last thing we want to talk about tonight are what's called Qualified Domestic Relations Orders, or the short form of it is quadros. Um, These are specific orders of the court to divide pensions, 401Ks, or other sources of uh, retirement accounts. And um, they're pretty complicated, pretty nuanced, and what we're really going to talk about is making sure that – both parties recognize their interest in the sort of deferred benefits and how to make sure the court reserves jurisdiction or adjudicates them properly. So uh, with that, Vince, why don't we hit it off with, with fee structures?
0: Okay. Go right ahead.
1: <laughs> so, um, Vince, you <laughs> know, I think you do cut, cut, you, do your cut little, you off guard, you know, huh? <laughs> yeah, just, well... You did a little spiel at the beginning. Um, why don't I mean I don't want to break with tradition. I want to uh, let you have your your moment. So why don't you tell our listeners sort of what are the three basic fee structures that our our, our office can provide them with?
0: You know the three basic fee structures is growing um, to a lot of different alternatives that California is a lot is allowing attorneys to charge clients. Um, Uh, in the what is called the bundled services or the limited scope. So the first fee structure that we use at our office mainly is we can represent a client for what's called full scope representation. That's where we represent the client and we take care of everything, every little thing that can possibly happen in the case. And um we are the full representation of the client in the divorce or child custody or family law matter. The one problem with full scope representation is it tends to be expensive. Um, generally there are there is a what is called an initial retainer up front, and that initial retainer could be anywhere from thirty five hundred dollars to $5,000 to $7,500 or even more, depending on the type of case it is. And that's a lot of money for anyone to come up with at one shot. Then as the case goes on and that retainer is used, we send clients monthly bills. Now those bills mm-hmm. can sometimes be you know, small or large, but you get a bill every month. So the second type of fee retainer um, that we use or the fee arrangement that we can use is called limited scope, and and that differs from the full scope representation. So limited scope representation is where you pick from a menu of services and you play a, pay a flat rate for those services and... We perform those services for you, and that's the end of it. So the first time of limited scope arrangement that we do for people is we prepare paperwork uh, that you need in a family law case, and then we also can make the court appearance if necessary. So, for example, this week I quoted a potential new client um, on a limited scope representation. The client wanted us to file the divorce and to go to court and to get child custody, child support, and child visitation orders for her. So we charged her a flat rate for filing the divorce. We've charged her a flat rate for um, preparing the request for order for the custody visitation and support. And then we charged her a flat rate for just appearing in court. Now, it turned out to be a lot less than her hiring us at a full retainer. But after we provide those services, um, we don't provide any more services unless the client wants to order again from the menu. The third type of representation is just limited scope as well, but it's where we just prepare the paperwork and we don't go to trial. We don't go to the court hearing. The client would do that on their own. Now, if the client hires us to do the paperwork, we would, of course, tell the client, give the client some pointers on how to represent themselves in court. It's a little dangerous, though, if if the other side has an attorney representing them because, you know, a client that we prepared the paperwork with goes to court and with our paperwork, but they're going to court against a trained attorney or a licensed attorney. That may be perilous for our clients. So, but if the client wants to later hire us to make that one court appearance, we can do that as well. So those are basically the three types of stru- fee structures. But earlier today, Raj and I were talking about something that he used to do in his private practice, and that was basically act as a mediator for both sides. Uh, Raj, why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, I'd be happy to. Um, so this is this is a service that uh, I offered when I was a, a solo practice and, and which may be coming to the offices of Vincent Davis and Associates, but there's a way in which parties who are reasonably amicable can enter into uh, a mediated solution. What that means is you come to our offices uh, and you hire us to help you mediate your divorce, which means we bring everybody into the same room, we put all of our cards on the table, all of the issues, property, custody, whatever it might be, we put them on the table and we help the parties negotiate a solution amongst themselves. So the attorney does not act as a representative for either party. All they can advise you on are what the laws of the state of California are and how that might impact the judge's decision. We can't tell you what the judge will exactly do because we don't even know when we step into court. But we can advise you on what the rules are. And the way that clients can pay for this is a flat rate. So what I used to do is I would charge a flat rate for, depending on the complexity of the case, I would charge a flat rate so that clients could have their paperwork filed, do all the required disclosures of the court, and then prepare what's called a stipulated judgment and submit that to the court. So for one flat fee, clients are able to cover court costs, meeting fees, um, talking to the attorney, all these types of things, and you know it's going to cost you a finite amount of money and potentially resolve your case faster. And so um, it's a service that could be coming to to our offices, and um, it's something that I have a lot of experience in. So if if there's a listener out there who is thinking about getting divorced and um, they think that they have a decent enough relationship with the other side where they could probably um, hammer it out amongst themselves, it's, it's a great option. And uh, I'm going to be going into the pros and cons of that option um, a little bit later. But Vince I wanted to uh to get back to our fee structures. Um I think a lot of people wonder when they're looking for an attorney, you know, they want to feel out that process, do do we charge for that initial consultation on family law services?
0: No, we don't. We give a free initial consultation and that consultation could be in our office face to face, it could be over the telephone, or it could be with Skype um you know Skype is free and it's a great tool great technology where we can talk to each other we can see each other right over a laptop tablet or a smart device and so clients
1: um what is there a time limit on that initial consultation 30 minutes 1 hour
0: um generally it's it's an it's a, an hour consultation or what i like to say is up to an hour um but yeah, it's generally an hour. I mean, if it needs to go more, it can go more. It's the you know the initial consultation we have for the client.
1: Great, great. And then uh, the next question I wanted to ask you, Ben. I, I think people always are a little bit confused about uh, on full scope services when they hire when they hire the attorney. Are they paying for just the attorney services, or does that include you know the cost of litigation, such as process serving filing fees and things of that nature
0: when you do a full scope and it's the same for limited scope um the fees that the attorney earns generally and with our office does not include the costs associated with the litigation so for example let's say you hire us either a limited scope or a full scope representation to file your petition for divorce now Unfortunately, the county of Los Angeles and every county in the state of California charges approximately $400 to $450 as a a filing fee. Now, that money is paid directly to the court. the, The attorney doesn't keep that money. So you have to pay your filing fees, and that's not included in the amounts of money that you pay for the attorney services in some instances um we can assist in getting those filing fees waived if you are, are a low cost or, or a low income uh person and in some cases the the judge will grant a filing fee waiver where you don't have to pay fees for filing i hope that answered the question
1: yeah and then there's there's another initial co- or additional cost that i think a lot of litigants don't think about and those are Process serving fee. So, can you explain to our listeners, you know, what service of process is, and and what costs could be associated with that?
0: Whenever you have, um, especially at the beginning of the case, whenever you have uh, the petition for divorce is filed, um, it has to be personally served on the other side, and generally, um, there are a number of ways this can be accomplished. It has to be accomplished by someone who's 18 years of age or older in California and who is not a party to the case. So if you file for divorce, you can't also serve the other side, the the papers. So um, generally, uh, the sheriff uh, will do it and the sheriff of the county charges a certain amount of money or any adult uh, who is a process server can do it or just any person who is 18 years of age or older can do it. So, um, that's generally what, you know, process serving fees are.
1: Great. And then okay, I think that's that answers a lot of questions that uh some of our some of our clients come in always asking um I think the next thing that people would like some clarification on um is the limited scope retainers and sort of exact what does it mean when someone hires an attorney just to do an appearance um you know are they there for all parts of the case related to that issue or how could it possibly work
0: well you know um the limited scope hiring uh, has an explanation in the fee agreement and it's also there's also an explanation that's given to the court and the other side about what that attorney is going to be involved with so i've seen cases for example where an attorney is hired just to do the child custody matter but is not hired to do the child support matter which are sometimes you know very related and connected uh, yet the attorney in court is only arguing or representing the client on the child custody matter, and it will come to, when it comes time to do the child support matter. That attorney bows out, and you know the client takes over him or herself in representing themselves in that child custody matter. So when you hire an attorney on a limited scope, you and the attorney have to be on the same page as to exactly what that attorney is going to do for you, and and. Exactly what that attorney is not going to do for you. Great. Does that make sense, great. Josh?
1: Oh, it's uh, obviously obviously I know the answer, but <laughs> we want to make it clear for our listeners. Um, okay. Great. I think that takes care of our our fee structure discussion, uh, Vince. If you're ready, let's let's talk about what it means and our, our pretty much our main topic tonight for um, filing pro per or pro se. Uh, In family
0: law. You know, before we do that, let me take a call uh, from uh, one of our listeners. It's area code uh, 702 ending in 20. Hello, you're on with attorney. I think we lost that call. Just as I was taking the call, we lost it. <laughs> uh, if you want to call in this evening, you can call in our guest call-in numbers, area code 646-668-8791. Again, call in at 646-668-8791. Raj, go ahead and start our second topic.
1: So yeah, our second topic for tonight, um, and for those of you who are following our newsletter, is is what's called filing pro per or pro se. Raj, sure. Raj? Yeah, let me I'm
0: interrupt here. you and take that. Let me interrupt you and take that call. Erico, seven o two. Good evening. You're on with attorney Raj Matani and attorney Vince Davis. Hey
1: Vince, it's Catherine McQuilly from Divorce Coach
0: Services. I was just listening to the show tonight, so I'm. Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't tell you. No, don't pick up the line. It's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll put you on. We're doing good. We're doing good. In that case, I'm going to let Raj go on with the second one, and I'll put you on mute.
1: Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right. Raj, go uh, ahead. Yeah, I'll just continue with the show. Um, So, yeah, it's... What we're talking about is filing pro-per or pro-se. And this is sort of related to our our fee structure discussion because, um, you know, sometimes there, and it's true, there are are quite a few litigants who can't afford the services of an attorney, no matter how the fees are structured. And, um, you know, out of my diligence, I would always encourage people to go, even if you can't afford an attorney, doesn't mean you can't get good advice. There's lots of resources available on the web. There's legal aid organizations. Every courthouse has a has a service for self-represented litigants. So, there's there's if you can't afford an attorney, uh, there is no reason that you shouldn't be entitled to great advice. So, uh, I want to put that out out there for all of our listeners. But if you're filing pro per, there's a lot of things that you need to be aware of uh within the litigation. So, the first sort of pitfall that I want to talk to our listeners about is the initial filing of your documents. Um, this is one of the situations where having a going to a self-help clinic uh, at a legal aid organization or going to the courthouse can be very beneficial. The way you file your papers initially is critical. Uh, it is what the court is going to rely on to understand the issues being presented to them and what they need to make decisions about. Uh, in family law, almost everything we do has a form that 's available to you so uh if you listen to past shows, you know about the d v one hundred form if you want to file for divorce uh if for family law, you know about all the f l forms for filing your divorce petition or for child custody and all the attachments and so it's really critical when you 're being self represented that you take the time to fill out the forms correctly understand what you're filling out, and making sure you ask for the right things. And that literally means checking all of your boxes, crossing all of your I's, and dotting all of your T's. And beyond the forms itself, the most critical part about that are going to be your declarations. There is a family law form called the MC-025, which you can attach to all family law pleadings to let the court know the reasons why you want the things you want. So when you're filing for custody, you want to tell the court why your choice is in the best interest of your children. When you're filing for child support, you want to explain to the court your financial situation. When you're doing a DV, you want to explain the the, the abuse that has happened. And so when you're filing pro per, it's really critical that you look at what forms are needed, uh make sure you fill them out all correctly, make sure you bring that first copy with you and always bring a secondary copy for the court to stamp. Uh, A lot of litigants make make a mistake in that they give the court one set of forms and then they don't take a copy for themselves and then they have no idea what they filed. So uh, you can always go back and get those papers, but it's always great to do it the first time. So um, as a first hurdle, Vince, do you have any advice on on sort of that first step for, for self represented litigants?
0: No, I think you covered it, and I just want to say that sometimes we use the term pro per and pro se interchangeably, but there's no difference. What it means is, or what they both mean is, that the person uh, is representing them themselves.
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, great distinction. So so that our our listeners don't get caught up in the terminology. Um, the okay. second part, the second part about Filing Pro Per, or Filing Pro Se, which our listeners should know is um, uh, service of process and your address. Um, There's two steps to any case. You have to first file the case, and then you have to tell the other side what's happening. So what that relies on is filing a proof of service, or serving them, and filing the proof of service. So like Vince mentioned, Anyone over the age of 18 who is not a party to the case can act as a process server. Um, when filling out your documents, it's critical that you make sure that your address is current and it's a place that you can receive mail. Because once the other side wants to send you documentation or if they decide to hire an attorney, that's the only way they're going to know how to reach you. And so if you change your address, you know, let the court know. If you um, have a better place that you can receive mail... That may not be your direct address. Make sure you let the court know. Um, so it's critical to be very precise about that information. And then secondly, when you're going to execute the the proof, like I said, make sure you have someone who is over the age of 18 who is executing the proof of service. Make sure they serve that other person personally. And then when they're done, make sure they fill out the proof of service form. That proof of service form has two distinct spots where the person who did the service puts the date, time, address, location, and um, signs their signature under penalty of perjury stating that they did that. And this is critical to your case because after you serve, your case can't move to the next parts of litigation until the court knows the other side has been notified. So you not only need to execute the proof, you need to file it with the court itself. Um, and you can file it the same way. Just walk up to the filing window. There's no fee for it. Drop off one copy for the court and keep one copy for your file and make sure that your case can move along. And then the last the last part that uh, I want to talk to about pro-pro litigants about is doing their research. Um, there are... A lot of resources available on the web. The state of California has a lot of uh, informational packets for people uh, in knowing what steps are necessary to go through their case. Um, But it's critical that when you're researching, you understand some of the law yourself. So you can call uh, a legal aid organization or go to the self-help office and ask them, you know, how can I prove my case? What things do I need? But you should do the research in making sure that your exhibits are compiled the right way, that uh, your pa- your items are page marked and set up the correct way, and make sure that everything is put together critically. So it's a big thing for self-represented litigants to make sure they take their time, do their documents correctly, and make sure that their case can move along, because the biggest hurdle for self-represented litigants is uh, is procedure. And that's times when an attorney can help, but uh, if, if you don't have those things done correctly, You know, your case can be continued and you're going to waste time and energy from work or or seeing with your kids um, without getting a result in court. So um, that's one of the biggest, three biggest pieces of advice that I can give to to pro-per litigants.
0: Do you um, find that there are a lot of pro-per litigants in the uh, family law system?
1: Oh, yes. Um, i I. I was in court the other day, and I, I forget exactly where, but uh, one of the judges said to me, right, a one party was asking for a continuance so he can hire an attorney. And, you know, this litigant, the self represented litigant got the time to it for the extension, but the court let him know that, you know, over 90% or maybe even more of litigants in the family law process are self-represented. Um, they're able to do the process from A to Z, you know, with a little bit of assistance, 100% on their own. Um, But there's, you know, there's a way in which you can do this all by yourself if you really wanted to. Um, But it's going to take a lot of time, energy. Um, It's going to distract you from other parts of your life. And, um, you know, sometimes that's one of the main benefits of having an attorney is, you know, it's our job from the minute we get in the office till the minute we leave to focus on your case. And, um, you know, we live and breathe this stuff every day. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of self-represented litigants in family law, but there's lots of advantages to having an attorney as well.
0: Do you think um, that more and more people um, can do with an attorney just on a limited scope rather than a full scope representation?
1: Oh, most definitely. And, you know, before before I came and joined Vince, um, I my firm catered to a lot of the middle-income and low-income clients. And limited scope or unbundled services was a great way for them to get their feet in the door, you know, sort of test drive my services, test drive our relationship, and see how beneficial an attorney can be for them. So, you know, like Vince said at the top of our show, on a limited scope, the client can choose a small menu of services, have the attorney focus on a targeted issue or a targeted date, and um, you know, not spend a lot of money um to the attorney and know whether or not they're going to get a result if they hire us to do more services. So, limited scope is a great option for 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 litigants whether they have very complicated cases or very simple ones um and for budgets big and small.
0: Very good. Very good.
1: Um,
0: anything else you wanted to mention about filing? Um,
1: uh, one thing I did want to mention: make sure, always make sure you have a uh, check or credit card with you. Um, there's, I think, some places don't accept cash, so you always want to make sure that you're going there with a with a check for payment or have a credit card for processing immediately, and that you look at the fee schedule. Some critical fees to be aware of. It costs $435 in L.A. to file your divorce. Um, it costs $90, well, which is a combination of the filing fee plus the court reporter fee. It costs $90 to file a motion. Um, it also costs you $435 to respond to the divorce. So there's no inequitable ground here for the person who files first. And that actually brings me to a great point, Vince. I, I'm glad you... you got me on this train of thought. There's, when it comes to filing for a divorce uh, or custody, there is absolutely zero advantage to who files first. Everybody within, re, within, if they file at the right time, gets a bite at the apple. So sometimes litigants and pro-per litigants um, file their paperwork or put together their paperwork very hastily, thinking that they have to be the one who's first to the court because the court is going to be inclined to go with whoever filed first. Advantage to that. So make sure that you take the time to putting your paperwork together and letting the court know all of the issues and all of the evidence to be considered. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, that's my last piece of advice on that issue.
0: Okay, anything else you want to talk about regarding this topic?
1: No, um, if if you're ready, Vince, let's talk about uh, mediation and how it can be a good good choice for some litigates.
0: Let's talk about it. Tell me, what's mediation?
1: So, mediation is a way or is a style of settling your divorce case that allows parties to keep their case out of the limelight, uh, sort of collaboratively reach a solution, and avoid a lot of the costs and hurdles of, of a litigated case. Um and the way that would work for the way that would work for a lot of people is you could come you would come into our office both parties we would represent neither side so we're simply a mediator that um helps the parties recognize all of the assets or debts that are within their case and put them out on the table for an equitable division based on the law and we don't advise one party or the other in fact, if the negotiation breaks down and the parties decide to go to court, um, our office couldn't represent either side. So it's a really safe place for people to come through and see if they can save themselves some time, money, and energy and and finish their case. So it's a, it's a really good process for people to get involved with.
0: And do they save money?
1: They can save a lot of money. So... Um, the way I used to offer it in, in my office, I would charge clients $5,000 flat rate. What that entitled them to was um, three in-office meetings with me for at least an hour, or up to one hour, I should say. Um, the ability to correspond with me via phone as many times as is necessary. And um, for me to prepare all of the required paperwork up the court, including their filing fees, um all for a flat rate, so the the parties would pay me that flat rate of five thousand. I do the whole case from A to Z and basically get them to what's called the stipulated judgment and um through doing that, you can save a lot of time, money, and energy um you know litigating or going through your case um so as a basis of comparison, you know Vince talked about full scope retainer services. Uh, a pretty standard retainer for most attorneys in Los Angeles is about $5,000, and within that structure, clients will pay that initial 5000 but there can be lots of things that make that 5000 go away very quickly. Uh, you have your initial consultation to figure out the facts. You have your document prepped. You have your um, uh, request for order or temporary custody orders if anything are necessary. And then what clients forget a lot is every time you call your attorney, that costs you a certain percentage of money. You know, most attorneys in, in of of significance in LA are charging anywhere from three hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars an hour. So the minute you pick up that phone, it's gonna cost you, you know, a percentage one tenth to two tenths of that amount of time just to talk to your attorney. And so mediation can save people a lot of money knowing that for this flat race, I can go from A to Z in my case and, um, you know, be, know that I'm compliant with the court's requirements for filing, timeliness, um, you know, competence of my documents, all of it. So it's a great way for for parties who, who want to at least try and see if they can reduce the burden on their family, on their loved ones, and on their wallet and, um, you know, sort of finish their case.
0: No. You indicated that you charged a flat rate and an included document prep. What document yes. prep did it include?
1: So that includes all of the documents to get you from A to Z in your divorce. So um what would happen is somebody has to file the case to initiate it. So we'll put one party's name um as the filing moving party and uh draft their petition. So you have you have to draft a petition and then the court requires certain financial disclosures and for those to be served on the other side. So we help the parties draft that financial disclosure. And then once and then once those things are submitted to the court, the earliest you can get divorced within the court system is six months and a day from the date of filing. Now, due to various procedural requirements, it's very rare that you can get to that date on time. So, um, after we file the initial papers we can get the parties to settle all of their issues that are present in the case and file a stipulated judgment and potentially get them to a resolution um within that 6 month timeline or potentially even faster so um i would file all the papers required from initial petition to financial disclosures and to the final stipulated judgment all of it and whether that takes me uh 10 hours or you know 200 um you know the clients are paying me a flat rate
0: and you indicated that included the filing fees
1: yes and so that four hundred and thirty five dollar filing fee that the court requires would be um part of that five thousand so it's really easy for clients they write one check and they're done
0: now do they usually split that cost
1: it all it all depends um the parties can decide if they want to split that cost, if one party wants to pay for it um, to help them throughout the process. So um, it all depends on, on on the situation of the parties, and um, the consultations are always done with both parties present, so there's never an advantage. There's never a behind-the-doors impression. Um, everything's out in the open and understood so that we can facilitate a fair, equitable, and expedited resolution.
0: What happens if there later is a disagreement?
1: So, if there's a disagreement, and it's part of our fee agreement, that if there's a disagreement, the, neither party loses their right to go to court. Uh, if you still decide you want to litigate the issue, you can hire a separate, separate attorney, or you can go in self-represented, litigate the case. Um, people are, clients are, Comforted by the fact that the mediator is barred ethically because we've been privy to information from both sides, we are barred ethically from representing either side in the litigation. So, um, even if you think that the mediator might be, um, you know, favoring one side or or um, believing the the representations of another side, they're 100% prevented from ever appearing in court or ever submitting anything to. Substantiate one side's claim.
0: So the mediator can never go to court for either party.
1: Can never go to court for either party. the The discussions between the mediator and the parties are a hundred percent confidential. Um, you know, the the negotiations executed during the mediation are a hundred percent confidential. Um, so it keeps, you know, it's a very private process. Um, and so if if parties are looking to shield their children from knowing about it or um for instance for some celebrities or or high net worth individuals if they want to shield sort of other members of the community from knowing about what's going on it's a great way for the process to be private and um you know i've done several cases like that um for both low income and for for people of uh reputation so um it's a it's a good process for
0: a lot of different people. You know, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I realize what a what a better system mediation can be in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, it's. it's I wonder. Um, sorry, go ahead, then.
0: No, I was just wondering how um, we can or how did you get the word out to people that, hey, maybe you don't want to fight each other with two attorneys. Maybe you want to mediate your case. How do you get that word out to people to let them know that this is an alternative uh, that could be beneficial to them?
1: So I actually, I had that situation today. Um, There was a a potential new client who came to our office and um, he was sort of exploring, you know, what it meant to be divorced. He it was, it was a tough situation that he was dealing with personally, and sort of his wife came to him one day saying, I'm done with the relationship, you know, I want to be divorced. And um, it seemed like from the way he expressed it to me that, you know, his family is in a pretty good situation. They're just, you know, they're an older couple that they're just kind of ready to go their separate ways. And so I let him know that, you know, there's a, this is a solution that can work for you so uh for me it came up a lot during an initial consultation um and through word of mouth you know when i reached a good solution for people um i got referred business and i offered it among my my menu of services so um you know it it, it wasn't hard to get the word out you know once people once people realize and they do an assessment of if if Both sides hire an attorney and litigate the case for six months to a year. You know, it's not uncommon for you to spend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on attorney's fees, um, just to fight one case. And what ends up happening a lot of times too is one side feels like, you know, there's a financial inequity and sues the other side for attorney's fees. So now you're paying money on three levels. You're paying money for your attorney and you're paying money to ask for more money. So, um, you know, costs in a divorce can explode quickly, and uh, that's why we—that's why I offered it to a lot of clients uh, to help them, you know, control costs.
0: You can really control costs that way by just hiring the mediator. The more and more I think about it, the more I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's a beautiful situation. Uh, it's a win-win situation, both the husband and the wife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for people who have a lot of assets, it's a great situation too because when you're litigating a case, <clears throat> the value of these assets is a great source of dispute. So to have those assets assessed, to um, figure out how to divide them, to, um, uh, you know, make sure that there's an appropriate value to put on them. Parties can spend lots of monies on appraisals and experts and these kinds of things, but when you're all in the room together, everybody knows that your house is worth X dollars, your pension is worth X dollars, your uh, jewelry collection—you know—you know exactly how much money you spent on it, and you can figure out what's an equitable division of all these things without, you know, spending money on a lot of outside sources.
0: Mm-hmm. In your experience, were the parties happy with uh, doing the mediations with you?
1: <laughs> when they when they ended uh successfully of course they're happy um yeah i mean i i, I got a lot of a, a lot of positive feedback and what it really what it really how it really benefited me is it is i took that attitude to even my contested cases um and so it allowed me to sort of help parties realize you know when they want to nitpick over every little issue or when they want to um be really you know combative um it allowed me to counsel clients in a great way to let them know that, you know, these are the pros and cons of your decision, and this is how much it's going to cost you. And, um, you know, it helped me reach better solutions for even my litigated clients. So um, it's been a real benefit to my skill set, I would say.
0: Very good, very good. and I'm just thinking, my mind is, you know... Going 100 miles an hour, thinking about the mediation <laughs> possibilities, you know, to help people. Because I've been on cases yeah. throughout my career where tens of thousands of dollars were spent on um, attorneys fighting each other. When if you had taken the parties and just sat down with them uh, for some mm-hmm. type of mediation, they could have saved a lot of headache, a lot of pain, and a lot of money.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, the main thing is it, it's really good about about saving the client's money. Um, and what what's really great for clients, too, is that, and it's really great for the attorney, too, is because they spend more time focused on your case rather than, you know, ticking every box every time we call you to enter the billable or to send an email to the other side. For all those minutia of the process, Um, It's great for the attorney because it it streamlines our time. It's great for the clients because it streamlines the process.
0: Okay, Raj. um, We're getting down toward the last quarter hour of the show, and we have one more topic that we wanted to talk about tonight. What is that?
1: So the last thing that we wanted to talk about tonight are what's called qualified domestic relations orders. Um, And these are... Shortened to the term quadro, Q D R O, and uh, what these are are special processes within the courts to divide uh, pensions, 401ks, uh, retirement accounts, um, things in which people's interests don't vest for a, for a substantial amount of time, and um, uh, you know when the parties divorce, uh, the the party who who the pension does not belong to or the 401k doesn't belong develops a small interest. And um, that interest needs to be paid out. The value of it needs to be assessed. And um, there are experts who help our firm in dealing with that. And uh, so parties should be aware of it.
0: So what type of person would would need a Quadro?
1: So Quadros sort of come up kind of towards the end of the process when, you know, you're done talking about the kids, you're done talking about the house, the cars, all these other things. It's the one big financial piece that remains. And um, this applies to a lot of different people. So if you're a state employee or a union employee, um, you likely have a contribution to uh, a pension or retirement account automatically taken out of your check. Um, Or if you're, uh, you know, a private sector employee as well, you know, when you contribute to a 401k or if your company matches a pension plan, um, you need to make sure that um, you reach out to these people, you understand what types of benefits you're entitled to, and then if the pension plan needs to be divided, um, you might have to join that uh, pension to the, to the process.
0: No. If I'm uh, the spouse and my uh, my my husband was working uh, for twenty years for a company and had a pension plan, are you telling the audience that the wife now has an interest in that?
1: Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling the audience.
0: Because, and when you say has, it, has an interest, what what do you mean by that?
1: So what that it falls under the umbrella of. Community property. So, community property for people who have been with us for a while are all the assets, debts, um, tangible things, and others that you accumulate from the date of marriage until the date of separation. So, for an employee, the amount of money that you earn and where it and the things that it buys you are all community property. So, when your money gets taken out of your paycheck and goes into this pension or this retirement account, um, you know, that's the community's money. And so the um, non-earning spouse earns an interest or the community earns an interest in that pension and the spouse is entitled to uh, their mathematical share of it.
0: So when someone says, well, that's my pension, Mm -hmm. she shouldn't deserve any part of that, that's not Mm the law in California
1: that is not the law in california now that doesn't necessarily mean that the parties cannot agree that you know uh husband X's money and his pension is 100% fit it, it's a, it can be a point of negotiation but um more often than not um it's a significant point of contention because it typically involves a large amount of money and um you know parties need to be aware of that in making sure they understand how much money it is, how the money is disbursed, and the tax consequences of how they elect to take that money and what it means for them.
0: I see. Now, how are quadrals usually, how are they divided? Um, You know, how do you know, do I automatically get 50%?
1: Well, um, not necessarily. So the way it typically works is, the um, uh, the non-earning spouse. Or I'm going to use the standard standard example of uh, of a husband who works for, let's say, um, he's a, a construction worker for the city. He has a CalPERS pension, and um, you know that's how he earned this asset. So what would typically happen is the the wife in this situation. Uh, would be entitled to or the community would earn an interest for the amount of time in which um, the parties were married and the pension was earned. So you get a a fraction of what the total disbursement would be and that becomes the community's interest and that gets divided by the party 50-50. So you don't get 50% of the whole value. You get 50% of a fractional interest.
0: And how is that fractional interest uh, computed?
1: Uh, it's computed using a, a very complicated formula, and this is why I refer all of my quadros out. Um, and there, and there's a reason that there's a whole uh, subsection of attorneys who only focus, subsection of attorneys and CPAs who only focus on this aspect of the case um so i refer a lot of these cases out to these kinds of experts who um provide the disclosures as to you know what how big the pension or 401k is what the uh you know value of it is at this date and you know how they came to that fractional interest and what the total amount of money would be so um I can tell people it's a over b divided by x but um there's experts who 100% help us with that and uh, many attorneys rely on them because it's it's a complicated math formula and it's a complicated series of, of um, orders that have to be made by the court in order to divide it correctly.
0: How much does it cost to hire one of these experts to do a quadro? Uh,
1: that's a great question, Vince. It can it can cost a, a lot of different sums of money. Um, I used to work with one... Um, who was based out of Ontario, and they depending on how many accounts had to be divided and whether or not they needed to be joined, they can cost anywhere from like six hundred per account to um sometimes a flat rate of a couple thousand dollars to do all of it.
0: Mhm, do you suggest so it's, on it's, using it's an those? additional
1: expense. I'm sorry Vince, do you say you ex-
0: that again. Su- do you suggest using a quadro expert? When uh, a lot of money is involved?
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always recommend using an expert. And um, there's multiple ways to figure figure out these values as well. The Quadro attorneys are basically there for the end process when you want to actually divide the pension. Um, but you can also hire a financial accountant or um, simply get a disclosure from the the company, your HR department, as to what accounts, you know, that person has and what the potential disbursements would be.
0: What's the best way to find a quadro expert?
1: Uh you can call our office and we'd be we'd be happy to give some referrals. There's there's a few different quadro attorneys that I work with. I actually went to a um uh, local attorney's uh, dinner at uh Celestinos in Pasadena very great stake, by the way, um, in which a, a CPA firm was there who handles quadros. So um, there's a lot of people local and, you know, per, you know, your specific area who can help you with that quadro. So people can call us or they can do a simple Google search and figure out, you know, who who would be the right person.
0: Google knows all, huh? Uh,
1: it's uh, it's amazing how good of an attorney you can be with it. <laughs>
0: who was the uh the accounting firm that was the sponsor of the event that you went to
1: uh oh gosh their name escapes me now but uh they're they're based out of Pasadena and uh if any of our listeners are are calling or looking for somebody they can uh they can email the show or they can email you and I'd be happy to give them that referral
0: okay very good very good You know, we're moving towards uh, just a few minutes left in our show. Um, I wanted to talk to you briefly about a – we touched on it last week, but you went to a kind of a national meeting involving something called parental alienation not too long ago.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Uh, Where was this event held?
1: So um – Thanks to Vince, I'm getting to go to a lot of nice places. Uh, So this was held in Beverly Hills, and um, it was um, headed by this actor who has a foundation called, I believe it's called uh, Stand Up for Gus. Uh, I believe the actor's name is Jason Patrick. Um, And a little bit about his situation um, and the reason why it's such a big cause to him is that he was in a custodial fight for his son um, that lasted more than two years, the mother essentially, um, you know, took the kid away from him, wouldn't let the child see his father, um, claimed all sorts of things that the child wasn't interested in seeing the father, a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, Jason, through his Hollywood connections, and, you know, he had a lot of high-powered attorneys working for him, took the case up on appeal several times. Um, It was really hard for him to prove to the court that this is, you know, this is the circumstance that he was being alienated from seeing his child. So what his foundation has done is made a lot of strides in the uh, psychology arena to get parental alienation defined in the psychological magazines and um, guides and as well as bringing this issue um, to the forefront by hosting, uh, you know, think tanks and seminars uh like the one I attended. For people who are looking looking to find out some more information, it's a great it's a great organization. Uh it's called Stand Up for Gus. I believe their website is uh standupforgus.org and uh you can go and and read all about this issue and uh and strides that that he's made.
0: You know, just for our listeners, give us what your definition of what parental alienation is.
1: So it this is a, a was a really critical part of the seminar um a lot of people like to think of parental alienation as the opposing parent preventing the child from from seeing the you know the other the other parent in their relationship but what it really is is the opposing parent putting a mindset into the child that makes them push away from from the other side and uh, I know we only have a minute left here, so I think this is going to be a great topic for next week as well, and we'll definitely get into it. But, um, you know, if people look it up in, psycho- in psychological journals, um, it's the specific syndrome of where one child, uh, for whatever reason, pushes the other parent away because of the, you know, custodial process.
0: And that can happen in many, many different ways, can it?
1: It can happen in a ton of different ways, and uh, I think we'll pick this topic up next week, Vince.
0: Okay, well, let's pick it up on uh, the first part next week. Next Wednesday at uh, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., Raj and I will be doing this same show, uh, Divorce and Family Law and we will be taking calls and giving out information uh, next week. The call-in number, if you want to call in as a guest, will be 646-668-8791. If you want to reach me or Raj, uh, you can give us a call at our office. Our toll-free number is 888 6582 That's 888-888-6582. Our local number is 626 626- Four four six six four four two We'll see you next week on the radio, and thank you for listening. Good night.